I used to help the kids in Oakwood on Halloween throw toilet paper. They'd toilet paper trees. <laughs> I'd get out and like, here, you, you don't know what you're doing. I, I am certain one time you I saw You can edit that part I, I, out. No, I, I, look, I, I had my time <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing TPing. And uh, there was one time where, where blue and red lights uh, started to come into the picture. So uh, we were not caught. <laughs> <laughs> We got out of there. <laughs> oh, good times, good memories. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. Hey everyone, I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 59 of Terminal Exchange, the purpose-driven podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Can I just stop for a moment and say how good it is to be back producing Terminal Exchange again? It's been a long time since our last episode, and I have to say a big thank you to all of you who reached out during our hiatus, asking when we'd be back and, and that you were looking forward to new episodes. It's really awesome receive that feedback. And since it's been a minute, I am going to take the next couple moments here to bring us up to speed and talk through some highlights we've missed since COVID began. So obviously there was COVID and we're still navigating that and working our way back to quote unquote normal. Uh, But our drivers and support staff have been amazing through this pandemic, keeping the trucks moving and serving our customers with the same great excellence as always. At the end of spring 2020, we opened up our new office extension, uh, still here in Hudson, uh, that now houses the human resources, accounting, IT, and marketing departments, along with more meeting spaces. Uh, uh, There's a new uh, dedicated orientation room and a simulator room. And yes, we purchased and installed our first driving simulator. And I've seen many of our drivers and even a few office folks uh, getting time in on that simulator. I actually spent a few minutes on it myself, and I have to say, it's a pretty neat system. And uh, so I, I look forward to seeing our drivers experience uh, the benefits of that unique training tool. Uh, also in the last year here, we've, uh, we've been honored to receive a number of awards. And uh, here's just a list of a few of them. We received the Stellar Performance Award from Morton Salt. Uh, so all of you that are involved in that account, congratulations, great job to you. Um, Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine named Newsbomb, one of their top 20 green fleets. And I have to say that's largely attributed to the driver component uh, that that goes into achieving top fuel efficiency. So really uh, huge kudos to our drivers for that. And then at the beginning of this year, 2021, Nussbaum was named a top 20 best fleet to drive for by the Truckload Carriers Association and Carriers Edge. You may remember, we've said this before, but you may remember that Nussbaum received the highest distinction as overall best fleet to drive for the last two years uh in, in last year uh, or sorry in 2019 it was in the small fleet category and then in the large fleet division in 2020 uh, this is actually the seventh year in a row that we have made uh this top 20 list uh so that's just an honor uh, it's an honor just to be included in that top 20 uh so the overall winners though uh, for 2021 will be announced 
in Las Vegas during the TCA's annual convention coming up in April. So stay tuned for, for that. And I want to say that none of these awards would be possible without the all of the incredible employee owners that we have here at Newsbomb. Also, uh, after COVID hit in 2020, uh, we launched a brand new internal podcast called Dashboard Radio. Dashboard Radio is an opportunity for us to engage our employee owners by keeping them up to date on the things happening within the company and answering their questions, whatever they may be. Uh, So that's been actually a really cool experience there. Uh, But soon, very soon, we will be taking Dashboard Radio to the next level by introducing Dashboard Radio Live. Now, we'll be streaming the show live and allowing Newsbomb drivers and our support staff to call or FaceTime, uh, Zoom, whatever, be able to do all of that with us in real time. Uh, So really looking forward to that. Uh, Now, Dashboard Radio isn't the only show being upgraded. Uh, Terminal Exchange, the one you're listening to right now, is getting quite the facelift too. In the next month, we'll begin uploading uh, video recordings of Terminal Exchange to the Newsbomb's YouTube channel and uh, in addition uh, to our regular podcast channel. So uh, be looking for that coming and we may even have an occasional live episode of Terminal Exchange streaming on YouTube and Facebook. So stay tuned for more updates there as well. Now, you may think that rolling out two podcast show upgrades, uh, you know, that'd be pretty impressive, but but we could not stop there. We could not be contained. Coming in March 2021, we are launching the all-new, drumroll please, Sage and Paige show, featuring our very own Sage Anderson and Paige Wood as your hosts. Now, if you don't already know Sage and Paige, you're really missing out. I have to say, this pair really hit it off uh, when they hosted our live prize drawings, our live prize drawings on Facebook during Driver Appreciation Week uh, last September. And so the state, bleh, sorry guys, the Sage and Paige show will be streaming live on YouTube and Facebook with lots of interactive content for viewers to engage with. Keep a lookout for more information on this all-new show. I I promise you, you will not want to miss it. Uh, This one's going to be a lot of fun. All right. I think that's enough of me talking now, so I'm going to get into introducing our feature exchange guest for this episode. Uh, Hugh Sands can be quite the imposing individual to encounter, uh, but the reality is that he is a super human being and is ready to lend a hand to anyone in need. And and speaking of those hands, uh, be sure... If you ever run into Hugh, uh, shake his hand the next time you see him. Just make sure you're ready and good to go when you go in there. Uh, we actually, I have to say, we, we recorded this episode, um, this exchange last, I think it was summer, uh, late spring, early summer. Uh, but for various reasons, we never ended up releasing it till this point. Uh, so please uh, enjoy the return of Terminal Exchange as I sit down to talk about, amongst many other things, Throwing TP with Police Chief Hugh Sands. Hugh Sands, <laughs> I want to shake your hand. I, look, I, I enjoy shaking your hand. You've got some big, big hands. Big, good, good, hands, good, yeah. good handshake. Um, and I, please don't take offense to this. I, he, he, I have a nickname for you, and I, if you want me to cut this out, I will cut this out. But it is huge hands, Hugh Sands, and I. Look, I, I love it. It's like, <laughs> I get a good you you Calvin Foster, there's a couple others. I get a good handshake from you. It's I, I like that. I mean, 
I don't have a tiny hand, but mine's nowhere near the size. Yeah. When I'm around <laughs> Calvin, I, uh, you know, I know how people feel like when they're around me and they're not as big as me. Cause you know, Calvin, Calvin's a man. <laughs> I mean, he's a man. <laughs> he, he's a man. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, you've got, um, some interesting background here, uh, before getting into trucking and everything. And, uh, your experience, uh, we had just interviewed um, Jeff Jackson a while back, right. police officer, you know, spent a lot of time in law enforcement. You as well right. was, uh, spent many years in law enforcement before entering trucking. Um, you want to tell me just to give me some high level about that uh, career and maybe we'll get some stories out of there too. But uh, what, what, what did you spend your time doing? Uh, back in September of 93, I got hired on the sheriff's department. I was assigned to the jail. Um, and then with, with that, I, I became a police officer in several different villages. One of them is our fuel stop village of Oakwood, where we fuel a lot. Uh-huh. Yep. I was the police chief there. I was a, I was a police officer there for probably 18 years of the 22 years I was in law okay. enforcement. Wow. Uh, and biggest, uh, claim to fame there, uh, was an unfortunate incident of a church bombing. I was the first one mm. at scene. Mm. Uh, actually made a copy of forensic files. Uh, you can briefly see me in the very beginning of that episode of forensic files. Uh, that was that was very unique. Uh, seen a lot of things working there. Also worked for the city of Georgetown, the village of Potomac, the village of Tilton, and my hometown of Catlin as a, as a patrolman. Yeah. So now you said, uh, at one point, uh, so you, you had made chief as, as a highest point, you were captain elsewhere. Um, I was a captain there when, when, when Oakwood went to a full-time police chief, uh, financially, I, it wasn't in the cards for me. So, uh, I stepped down to being the captain and and they hired a full-time police chief at that time. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Tell me about that experience. Well, actually, before that experience, what got you into law enforcement? What what kind of drew you to that profession? You know, I, I'm not real sure. I think it uh, it was something I wanted to do as a little kid. Um, you know, I was I was raised by my my grandma and and my my uncle, my mom's brother, and all my family were. Uh, General Motors employees, except my mom. My mom was a nurse. Uh, they didn't want me doing any factory work. I mean, it, they they just didn't want that to happen. Uh, and my uncle worked several several hours overtime to make sure that I could go to school. And uh, in fact, I remember one time when I was eighteen, I had a job interview with Eli Lilly. Why I don't know. I was eighteen years old, and and. Uh, I got dressed for the interview and it was my second interview there. And my, uh, uncle just happened to be home. He said, where are you going? I said, I got a job interview. He said, where at? And I said, Eli Lilly. He says, isn't that over by Terre Haute? I said, yeah. He says, no, you ain't. You're going to school. So, <laughs> and I went, I went and got my associate's degree in criminal justice and, uh, got sworn in on the sheriff's department in September of 93 and, uh, seen a lot, done a lot. Uh, like Jeff, I'm a, I'm a police firearms instructor. I'm not a master. He's, he's a master. So he can actually teach, 
the 40 hour mandatory firearms training, the police officers, what I can do is qualify them. Okay. So, uh, I was a breathalyzer operator. If you got arrested for DUI, I could, I could do that. <laughs> uh, took a lot of different classes. Some of them is pretty neat. Uh, I took this one class. Uh, it was kind of funny. The There was a police officer there. You know, when you have classes, you always got a group, and there's always one eager guy that, or girl that's got a, you know, always got their hand out, always saying something, this, uh-huh. that, and the other, and it was uh, – the class was called Reed School of Interrogation, and they teach you human behavior about finding out when people are uh, trying to be untruthful or trying to deceive you. There's certain characteristics a human will do all the time. It's how their body reacts and that. And at the end of the first day, as a retired lieutenant from Waukegan Police Department that taught it, at the end of the first day, he told us to go home, try it with our kids, try it with our wives, you know, mess around with our friends. Next day, he said, this this gentleman was just quiet, never said anything. He just gone down in the dumps. And he said, so the first break we had, he said, I asked him, I said, you feeling okay? He said, yeah, I, I think my wife's having an affair on me. And he said, well, oh, now, God. now, now, there's 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 a lot more training to go. Let's, let's <laughs> not get carried away. And by the end of the class, I found out his, his wife had been sleeping with his cousin for Oh, no. Several years. Yeah. And then the other interesting class I took. At- <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a really quick transition off of that. <laughs> but, oh, that, wow. But after but after one class, though, yeah. one day, he, he, he was able to take the. Yeah. Yeah, he what he had uh, learned and yeah. knew something was up. Yeah, it's uh, oh, it's pretty neat. Uh, during class, they showed us politicians, and that was right at the Bill Clinton impeachment type okay. of thing. And and uh, they were showing interviews with him, and we as a class had to say, "Is he being deceitful? Or is he telling the truth?" And we would we could determine that. They showed us murder interviews, people being interrogated on murders, and that it was pretty cool. Can that, is that something that's able to be used in like court? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I feel like that's that's probably a little soft. I I don't think so, but it's a, it's a tool for interrogation. What happens is a lot of times is, uh, and most people have the misconception that every time you handcuff somebody, you know, because they watch TV, you have the right to remain silent, anything. The only time that that's called Miranda Miranda Mm -hmm. was brought about by five different uh, court cases in our country. And that's where the, the rights are. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be that, that whole spiel. I used it one time in 22 years. Really? What that has to do with, if I'm going to question a person about a crime, but I don't have enough reason to arrest them or I want to get a statement from them where you feel like you're free to leave, where where you feel like you're in custody, you're not free to get up and walk out, that's when I have to read you Miranda rights. If I've already arrested you, no. Now, you have the, you know, if I, if I arrest you and then want to later try to get a statement from you, yes, I do, because you have no freedom. But if I come to your house and ask you questions about, I don't have to read you Miranda rights because you have the freedom to, to walk away or mm-hmm. shut the door or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So that that's Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. My my suggestion is anybody that deals with the police just be polite and and answer their questions. If if you're not guilty of anything, you don't have anything to hide. You know, I under understand that some people feel like they're targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I I I took a firearms class with a guy that uh, his wife was a DEA agent, mm-hmm. and he was a Northern Illinois University police officer. They don't wear uniforms there; they wear suits. Okay. And uh, prior to that, he was a Chicago Housing Authority police officer. And at the time, Illinois come out with a law. It's called a racial profiling law. Anytime they stop you, they got to fill out a sheet. Basically saying what ethnic background you are and that kind of thing, because apparently a politician was held up too long and they were, uh, I don't know if they were Pakistan or something from Chicago. But anyway, I asked him, what do you think of that? He says, I think you police your community. He said, now, chances are if I went to the Oakwood and I was in town, I might be probably the only black guy there. I said, you would be under 10, <laughs> under 10 there, that's mm-hmm. for sure. He said, so you should stop me. Why would I be in your town? He says, you police your community. He said, if I see you walking through Cabrina Green or one of the housing additions up in the south side of Chicago, you bet I'm stopping you and finding out why you're there because it's not a place you belong. He said, I, I just think it's it's not right. Hmm. That hmm. was his opinion on it. Interesting. Because so, I was kind of curious too. Yeah. Well, and I, I think a lot of it too then, I mean, just when you're having those interactions, I will just take this to practical level for, for drivers. You know, you, you have interactions with officers routinely, way stations and such. Respect. Yeah. Politeness. You said polite. Um have your stuff in order. If you if you're not guilty of anything, you got nothing to hide. Should be smooth, no issues. Um, I think that law enforcement still holds. You know they deserve our respect. Um, but they also should be held to a higher. standard. They are held to a higher standard. But I've got it. I start with benefit of the doubt that mm-hmm. your intentions are good here. That right. you're doing this for, you know, you're here to serve and protect, and start there. Right. Absolutely. And, and then, then go from there. And if it needs to go somewhere else, then, you know, court or whatever, but, um, you know, we don't need to get onto a lot of that, but, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where, again, just the idea of respecting each other, um, the different opinions, uh, you know, ways of thinking, uh, goes a long way. So in law enforcement, every one one way they come to figure out how to make their job easier and and, and obtain information, it seems like the the real criminals find ten ways to get around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a class that uh, Collinsville Police Department, which is down by St. Louis, mm-hmm. it's got five major thoroughfares that go through there, five major yep. interstates. Yep. They lead the state of Illinois in large uh, narcotics arrest every year, trafficking. It's a hub. And I took a class called Conducting Complete Traffic Stops that a, a retired officer from there taught. And he, he goes all over the country and teach it. And he said he was out west. 
and he was teaching this class, and they broke for either lunch or might have been the next day, and he said this this policeman was kind of in tears, and uh, he pulls him aside, and he says, uh, are you all right? And he says, I, I really wish I'd had this class a long time ago. And he says, why is that? And he says, have you ever read Timothy McVeigh's autobiography? He says, yeah. He says, I'm the cop that wrote him the, the warning ticket for the taillight out on the way to bomb the church or the courthouse. He said, I'm the one that stopped him. And all of what you taught me, he said, the whole time in that class, he was repaying it, replaying that traffic stop in his mind. Did I see this? Did I miss this? Did, you know, uh, things that, that are just generally stuff that people carry in their vehicles, how they're using it is what you look for and, and things like that. He says, I, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. You know, did I miss something? He said it was hard before, but after taking this class, it's really hit home. Hmm. So, hmm. so in your time, uh, you mentioned the, the, the church incident. Um, is there any thing in particular that sticks out to you? Those, um, maybe it was particularly like a, a learning, uh, experience, uh, being on the force. Um, I think there are some very positive things that, that, I've taken away from that, but I also, from my time on the sheriff's department working inside a, a, a county jail, it it also kind of hardened me in some ways. Hmm. Um, you know, the state of Illinois, because of the financial reasons, the, the, the problems they have, they've closed down several hospitals for people that have a mental disability, and they're not capable of making it in society. So the other place they put them is in jail. And uh, some of the things that I've seen some of the people do, and we're not, none of the jails are equipped to deal with those kind of issues. Mm-hmm. They're not. And uh, they don't belong there. You know, it, a lot of them commit petty, really petty crimes. They're not violent crimes because they they don't know how to function in society, but because of their mental disability, they spend a lot of time in jail. And, you know, when I first started, uh, it was veterans. You know, we get, Mm. uh, I remember there was an old man that was, uh, I mean, when I'm talking old, I'm talking old. He was in his 80s. He lived in the geriatric ward of the VA and had some kind of, issue with the VA, this, that, and the other. And he, he went with a note to a bank and said he wanted all their money. He robbed them then went out and sat on the front step, waited for the police to arrive just so he'd have a home and Mm. three hot meals. You know, the, the inmates would even the young kids would carry his trays into him. He was couldn't hardly, he didn't belong in jail. Right. You know, that, that, Mm. uh, those are some of the negative aspects, but, there are a lot of positive ones. Uh, how kids, you know, make you feel. Uh, one of my pet peeves, and the guy never thought about it, but when you're wearing a uniform, there's always, and then, and this might have happened to you. You know, your dad might have done this to you, but it's it's pretty common. 
I go in with my family to eat dinner or whatever during my lunch hour, and there'd always be some parent, you better behave or he's going to take you to jail. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day I pulled a grandparent aside and I says, I understand what you're doing because my grandma used to do that. But also what you're doing is telling your, your child that's the only function of a law enforcement officer. Yeah. You know, we want to be their friend. They, all, they can approach us if they got questions or, uh, you know, if they have an issue or if they just want to say hi. You know, we're, we're human being. This is just a job. Well, I never really looked at it that way. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I did when I was the Oakwood police chief, I had a couple officers that were really into fitness and stuff like that. I went and bought a police-issued mountain bike. And I would give them free reign. You come out and work as many hours as you want, whenever you want. You got some time you want to come run that bicycle for a couple hours, do it. And you'd see the police officer riding that bike. It was great for public relations. And, sure. and there's a ton of kids on bicycles riding behind them. It was really neat. That's cool. That's a lot really of fun. Neat. Yeah, you know, I, I've had to catch myself with that same thing before. Uh, dealing with four kids that are eight and under, um, trying to keep them all in their seatbelts. Even when they're in their five-point harnesses, they know how to get out of those things. Oh, yeah. Um, they don't make those child-proof enough. Uh, I haven't found one child-proof enough yet. Anyway. No. Um, so they they know how to get in and out. Uh, and I've always, we, we, we have used the, you know, if you don't, you know, we're going to be in trouble. It's like, it's not you that's going to be trouble. It'll be mommy or daddy that's, you know, having to answer to the, the officer if we get pulled over. And, you know, he sees that you're not in your seatbelt. But we've been trying to shift that right <laughs> because because i'm i am aware of that kind of negative connotation that you're putting on the law enforcement there that now they're they're just out to get you and that's that's not the case right. um and so we're we're really trying to shift that to like it really is about your safety and we've, we've preached that all along but like well i haven't i'm fine i you know i won't get hurt like so i'm trying to pull out youtube videos now of like Here's what happens when you're not in the right, right. <laughs> properly restrained. You don't stay with your seatbelt on. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're still navigating that and, and, and dealing with that. Uh, any advice to me? <laughs> well, you know, if, uh, here's what I did one time. Uh, there was a, there was a guy that actually he was a, a road diesel mechanic, worked on semis, uh, had a revoked driver's license. And I, I'd picked him up a couple of times and took him to jail for it. And I seen him driving one day, whipped around. I stopped him and I said, Jim, you know, you're not supposed to be driving. You're going to take me to jail. Yeah, I'm going to take you to jail. So I called for a wrecker. I got him handcuffed and did an inventory of his vehicle and everything. We're sitting in the back seat and a mom pulls up behind me. She gets out of the car and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, I step out. I said, can I help you, ma'am? And she says, can you help me with my child? I said, what happened? There's a, a Philip 66 right across the street from the Oakwood pilot now. And they were mom and pop truck stops back in says, I caught my kid shoplifted in there. I said, how old is she? Said seven. I said, here's what I want to do. I said, if it's okay with you, uh, this, this person I got in the back seat, I said, I know him. So this is a driving fence. I haven't put on a show for her. <laughs> this, that, and the other. So I get back in the car and say, hey, Jim, you not want to go to jail? He said, no, I don't want to go to jail. And I said, well, you're going to have to eat a tow bill. I said, but you tell this little girl that you're in here for stealing. And kind of put on a little bit of a show for her. And I said, I'll let you walk. 
And uh, he did. And I'm sure that little girl learned her lesson. Because when I was a kid, I stole a box of Cracker Jacks from an old Eisner's on East Main in Danville for the tattoos. I was Mm. four years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. And my mom's roommate took me straight to jail. Never taken a thing since. Mm. And I I remember I'm 49 years old. And that's 44 years ago. I 45 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, that... It isn't about revenue and it isn't about, you know, tickets are designed to correct people's driving behavior. But what I got out of that far outweighs what the village would have got out of a ticket. Mm-hmm. If that little girl straightens up and maybe if you know a police officer or one day when your kid keeps wanting to get out of the seat, pull in, talk to the police officer. Hey, can you talk to my kids for me? They will. They'll be more than happy to. Hmm. And sometimes it takes that, and they're like, oh, I can't believe you did that, Dad. Like you, you ratted me out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, did, why did you do that, Dad? Huh. And, but, you know, and there isn't, there isn't a police officer in the world that wouldn't do that for a child. Hmm. Well, I just might end up trying that if we, uh, it gets there. I, that, that's, that's interesting. I mean, that, that talks about then the, it changes your, your viewpoint about what the police officer is there for. Right. Shifts, shifts that view of there to just get the bad guys. Right. Right. Uh, to actually there to help the community. Right. Uh, I, I love, you know, seeing those stories and interactions where you see the, the police officer, you know, playing some pickup basketball with some guys on the street and, and stuff like that. You know, just getting out and, and being with. I used to help the kids in Oakland on Halloween throw toilet paper. They had toilet paper trees. <laughs> I get out and like here, you, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I I am certain one time you I can saw edit it. that part I, out. I, I, no, I I look. I, I had my time <laughs> doing <laughs> doing TPing, and uh, there was one time where where blue and red lights uh, started to come to the picture. So uh, we were not caught. <laughs> <laughs> We got out of there. <laughs> oh, good times, good memories. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but so now you, when you retired from law enforcement, then did you think, did you know for sure, did you know already driving was what you were going to get into? You know, I, I did a lot of research on either driving a truck or um, operating heavy equipment. All I've ever done known all my life is farm work, law enforcement, and now truck driving. And probably with all my knowledge combined and all that, 50 cents to get you a can of pop maybe somewhere. But um, I chose trucking. Uh, haven't regretted it. I've enjoyed every moment of it. You know, there's days that are frustrating. Uh, but understanding the business makes it a little easier. And, uh, you know, I – when I take students out, I, I try to tell them there's, there's a method to the way they do things. And even though there's frustrating times, it's, it's part of trucking has nothing to do any fault of the company. Um, you know, long waits and delays for shippers Mm -hmm. and receivers is as frustrating as that is. That's not because of your driver manager. That's not because of any other thing that we have control over. And, uh, 
I've I've enjoyed it. Uh, I had a couple really good trainers when I went for with JBS carriers when I got out of CDL school, and uh, one of them come here to Noosebaum, talked me into coming here, and it's the best move I've made. Uh, I it's it's such a different field than law enforcement, um, but it's just as rewarding sometimes. And, uh, I feel like I've, I've accomplished something. Um, when you do a job for a long period of time, sometimes it just feels like a job and, uh, you know, it's kind of redundant. You do the same thing over and over, but I, I haven't reached that point doing this. Uh, I feel like every delivery I made, I've accomplished something. You know, or I get to some place as a tight area and, and I make the back and I get it delivered. And I'm like, I feel pretty good about myself, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's that's why I did it. Uh, and now you're giving back in the sense that you are a training engineer as well. Right. Uh, so you've had an opportunity to help uh, train up new drivers as well. Right. Uh How's that experience been for you? Uh, I've had really good students. Uh, I try to kind of take from the the two guys that trained me some of their wisdom and how they went about it, and I, I try to see how how they interact and what would try to be the best way to teach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell all of them that, you know, ultimately every one of us is going to teach you how to do it. It's coming from A to Z might be different. Uh, operating the trucks, one, you know, it's kind of similar. Everybody's going to do it just about the same way. Uh, there are some specialized things like mountain driving that AJ is mm-hmm. an expert at that I'm not. Uh, but when it comes to documentation and paperwork and logging, uh, all of us have a little tweak difference that we do. And, uh, you know, I tell them, I said, you know, you'll be with me. You'll be with another trainer for four weeks. You'll be by yourself. You can take a little bit from everything and mix it up, make it work your way. You know, uh, I still do things like my first trainer taught me the way I keep my bills lading. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, in fact, the other day I just posted on uh, Facebook, uh, one of the news bomb pages. I made my 500th delivery for news bomb. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I keep, and, and you've actually kept track of that. Yeah. Now, I remember I, I nominated you for an own up moment. Yeah. Uh, one time after you came in, uh, the way you had kept your bills, you, you've got a sticker, right? Yeah, a stamp. A stamp, uh, that has the, has, um, fields on it to, to fill out. Right. Uh, like order number and times and stuff like that, right. I think. Um, but just super organized, very well done, very professionally done. I mean, it, look, you came in here and had your stuff together. Right. And and to me, that just spoke volumes about the pride that you take in the work that you do. So I had to nominate you for that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. But th- that's, I thought that was neat. I mean, in, not that there's anything wrong with, you know, guys coming in and just dropping off the bills just you right. know, as they are and everything they're, they're done properly, but this was next level. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> sort of thing. you know, that's my, that's where I, I'm kind of anal about how I, 
I do my paperwork and how I document things and and that where some other people might be more anal about the the upkeep of their truck. You mm-hmm. know, they're constantly polishing everything. And, sure. You know, they're we can't have any dust and that kind of thing. Uh it's I guess how you are. Um uh, you know, when I I type police reports, I was in fact over that church bombing, from what I understand, Janet Reno's office got a copy of my police report. Attorney General of this country, and you think about taking English and typing essays and that, <laughs> and and now the Attorney General of the country is reading a, a legal document that I type. Man, how many typos did I have right. in that and <laughs> that kind of thing? So, and back then you didn't have things like we have now with, no. with, with Grammarly and everything. No, I tell you what. I'm going to let everybody in on a little secret that marketing uses here. And that is that we do use Grammarly. (laughs) (laughs) We use it in our emails (laughs) to try to avoid uh, faux pas. Because some of them typos come out like really bad. Yeah, But you know what? It never fails. We'll get something published, whether it be like a newsletter or something. We've ran it through all the spell checks. We've looked through that thing multiple times, proofread it. And there's still going to be some sort of mistake in there. Never fails. But, you know. I know so. when I handwrite things, my handwriting's <laughs> atrocious. I went to court on a speeding ticket one time, and they handed me the ticket. And I looked at it and said, what does that say? I said, I have no idea. And the, <laughs> the state's attorneys, you know, the assistant, they were kind of upset about it. I'm like, I have no idea what I wrote there. I, I mean, I didn't. I couldn't read my own writing. You know, you get in a hurry and you're documenting yeah. things all the time. I'd sign my name 500 times a day and no. Yeah. That's one thing I've actually been working on this year. Uh, I've, I, 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 I stay mindful of it, but I haven't been doing the regular practice like I had started out doing, but is working on my handwriting. Like I don't have terrible handwriting already, but I've been just kind of working that out and, and being more deliberate about my letters right. and everything and, and sometimes i'm like oh, i wish i could just get some white out and <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> redo that but uh, it's been so long since i've i've written anything cursive other than my signature i, I don't do think cursive. i can do I, I don't think i can do it now. other than my name and even then my you can't read my name well, my signature but either. Uh, but otherwise oh if i had to write a sentence out in, in cursive nope but we had to do that in element yeah. i mean i had to write in cursive yeah. and then we would hit like you know you know, middle school, like seventh, eighth grade or something like that. And there's all of a sudden teachers like, just make sure I can read it. Yep. Okay. So I print everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I want to go back just a little bit. Uh, and this is a point where I can cut this out if we need to, but um, you mentioned you were raised by your, your grandma and, and uncle. Um, you want to, talk about that at all and, and, and why that was and, and how that came to be. Uh, my, uh, my mom in 1974, I was born in 71. Uh, I lived with my mom solely up until 1974. And my mom and my uncle went in on a house together, which is her brother. Uh, my mom was probably one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. Uh, she was a certified psych registered nurse, beautiful woman. Uh, just when it come to picking a soulmate, couldn't do it. Mm. 
and she knew I wouldn't be happy. And I was always with my uncle a lot. She knew that's where I wanted to go. And that's why when my grandpa died in 1980, me and my, my uncle moved in with, with his mom, with my grandma. He promised his dad he'd take care of her. And that's where we've been since Hmm. my dad, uh, my, my birth certificate is his father unknown. So yeah, I, I, I don't even know his name. Don't really care to, um, I know some people have issues with that. I've never have. Um, so that, that's how that went. Did you still maintain contact with your mom? I mean, is that still, was there still a relationship? Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'd, I'd spend some holidays with her. I'd talk to her on the phone. Um, what was what was really funny is she worked for a place called Cross Points, and, and she was a certified psych registered nurse. So some of the her patients were inmates that I would deal with at the jail, <laughs> and fortunately she had a different last name. And I told her, I said, "Mom, I said, don't ever let them know that I'm your son." Because sometimes they would have to act up, and we'd have to go in and subdue them, and you know, I, I don't want them taking it out on you. Sure. And, uh, yeah, that's, I, that's, it's neat to hear. And everybody's got a different story right there. And, um, you know, we, I remember thinking back and I can share this because it was on the podcast, like Chris Cheney, uh, was raised by his grandfather. Right. Um, and that sometimes that's, that's, that's the story. In, in my and, lifetime, my uncle whipped me one time. Really? That's it. Never had to. I mean, uh, never had to. I mean, what he said was law. You know, I, I give my grandma a little grief. You know, of course, we're talking another generation from me. So yeah. if I was out fishing, I could go fishing all night. But if I was out with my buddies, anything, if I want them streetlights come on, all you can do is get in trouble. No, you're going to be home, <laughs> you know. And Pretty much they were right, you yeah. know, and I give grandma a little grief about it. And grandma would say, well, we'll just talk to Herschel when he, uh, he, he, get, he gets home. And I'm like, nah, I'll be home, grandma. <laughs> a kind of a funny story is uh, I went to go buy a, I wanted to buy a truck and I was probably going to have to hit him up for a little bit of money. I had some money for a down payment, but I wanted a, a better down payment. And uh, like I said, Herschel doesn't want for anything and, he said, uh, ask them what they take for it for cash. So I, I talked to the dealer, and it's a 2016 GMC. Ursa writes me a check for $29,000. So I set it up through Newsbomb for payroll automatic, put in his account, direct deposit, 100 bucks a week. First National Bank of Herschel. So he's <laughs> always, he thinks that's cool because for years he's just had Social Security. And his GM pension fund. Well, now he's got news bomb, news bomb, news bomb, news bomb. And he, 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 look at that. I get paid by news bomb, never drove a truck. He's not paying taxes on that either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That, that's awesome. That's, that's so cool. Now I want to kind of get closer to wrapping up here, but um, your experience as, as an officer, how has that helped you as a driver? Um, I think it probably helps me deal with the public in a better way 
and really kind of recognize traffic patterns and how people operate vehicles and what to notice about somebody that might act irrationally because I was looking for that all the time as a patrolman. Um, but it has made me a better person. The customer service type thing, when, when I was in law enforcement, depending on who I had to deal with, I always talked to them at their intelligent level. I didn't walk in their their situation and talk over intelligent. Like I, you know, like Bill Gates would walk in here and, and talk to me, you know, if he decided to, he could talk so far over my head that I'd, I'd be lost. I, I didn't do that. If, if they were a young, you know, just typical punk that talked, you know, garbage, I'd talk garbage to them. If I had a, a call for with a bank president, like a burglary or an elderly person, then I would talk more professional. So when I got into this, I had to try to learn. Uh, this is also about dealing with customers. So I've got to back off even when, you know, I deal with somebody that might strike me the wrong way. I've, I, I have to learn uh, kind of, and I've done well with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a lot of ways, that's made me a better person. Uh, where when I was, you know, a police officer, somebody come across me, I'm going to give you a reason for me to put you in bracelets and go to jail. <laughs> you know, I I can figure out a way to talk you into doing something dumb enough if you want to mm-hmm. sit there and argue with me, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I can't do that now. <laughs> Any um, advice that you'd give to to other drivers? Um, whether maybe particularly transitioning from another long-term career that they've had and, and transitioning into driving? Uh, I think just uh, use, use a lot of patience and, uh, you know, you got to operate these trucks differently than you do a car. And uh, if somebody comes from a, a, a professional type career you know you can teach somebody how to do do something you can't teach them to care about it Mm. if if we if somebody that's employed has had a a a career in this or a career in that uh and it's been a long term chances are they probably at least at one point cared about what they done you know and um those are one is if they're long if they're willing to learn and and want to strive to do the very best they can. Those those are the great great ones. Those are the ones that are going to last. Those are the ones that are going to care about what they do. And the wonderful part about it's so unique with Noose Bomb. Uh, when I was being raised, one of the things my uncle told me when I was young, ten eleven years old, he said, "Huey, he said when you start doing this summer work for these farmers, he said all of them sit around a coffee table." all the time. You do good work for one farmer, they'll never look for work again. They'll come to you. And that was a work ethic that I had. And, uh, you know, it it has worked out for me. Um, I have not worked for any place that does. And I, I've never even heard of any place in, in, especially in today's age that a business of this size that operates it, operates the business with their employees like they did decades ago 
but got all these brilliant young minds that want to try new things and, and ideas of the podcast, uh, you know, all these different uh, safety features on the trucks. And, you know, that is so unique. And, you know, usually you got either an older businessman that's just stubborn and that things are going to be this way, or you got some uh, young person that learned something in college and this is the way it's going to be, whether it messes things up or not. This mix of treating us like what we do matters, that we're part of something. I haven't felt that since I'd done farm work. You know, a lot of them farmers, you know, I buck bales and walk beans and, and drove combines and all that. They'd feed me like a king. I was mm-hmm. like a family, mm-hmm. you know. It, and it, I've never, in law enforcement, didn't. there's a fraternal bond amongst right. law enforcement but when when you get outside that, when you start getting into the upper management and, and the politicians involved in it, that you don't feel that. No. I mean, you, you just don't, and that's that's very unique about this company. And I I'd, I'd commented at Mister Newsbaum about it, and he said his dad taught him, "You treat your employees right, the rest will fall into place." And you don't see that in corporate America. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It also takes people like you in the company that care about what they're doing, take pride in what they're doing, and share that with others. And having that collective bond and passion and care for what we're doing means a lot. Yeah, I want to thank you for what what you do and and, and bringing your experience and expertise. Thank you. I enjoy it. I, 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 I truly have as far as i'm concerned i've got the best job here in the company i really mean that i believe that i i don't want anything else here i don't want to go to any other position <laughs> <laughs> i like what i'm doing and i like getting to talk with you uh and others as well um i will say at this point though i've been looking at the chicago cubs lanyard around your neck long enough <laughs> well again i appreciate everything that you do uh Glad to have you here and uh, happy to shake your hand, your big hand, anytime, anytime, (laughs) even though mine just barely fits in there. Uh, (laughs) uh, Glad glad to have you around and uh, don't be a stranger. Keep stopping by my desk saying hi. Appreciate it. I will definitely do that. Thank you. And take take care. Be safe out there and keep having fun. All righty. Thanks, Hugh. Thank you. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to Nussbaum.com or NussbaumJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. Be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.